You are listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Fly the W670 Podcast. We are calling this one the Cubs Golden Glovers. I'm Dustin Rhodes, Executive Producer of the Mully and Haw Show, 670 The Score. We are on live from 530 to 10 a.m. And, of course, we are your radio home for Cubs baseball. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast and follow all of our socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, how are you on this Thursday? I am doing magnificent. Uh, just to let you know, I did get my spring training tickets, so I will be out for another season and in sunny Mesa, Arizona. Look at you. I did see I got an email saying, would you like to uh, purchase some Cubs spring training tickets, and you are already locked and loaded. When are you going? I am going the 7th through the 12th. 7th through the 12th. So I'm leaving Tuesday night, getting into Mesa. Wednesday morning, I'm watching the Cubs take on uh, Canada. The World Baseball Classic Team Canada is going okay. to be there. And then I got, I know, a game against the White Sox, and then another against the Reds. And then I'm still debating about adding another to try to. I haven't. I've never been to uh, the Dodgers Park. They split one with the White Sox. White Sox, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Okay, yep, they split it with the White Sox. So I've never been there, so I'm kind of kicking around. But they usually sell out. You know, they're the, you know the Cubs and Dodgers are usually the two big sellers in uh, Arizona. And that one's uh, that's Camelback, right? Yeah, Camelback Ranch. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, beautiful. So, as we said, this is Season 2, Episode 2. We're calling this one the Cubs Golden Glovers. And, Crawley, the Cubs have officially added a couple of more gold glovers to the roster. Yeah, it was Odyssey insider John Heyman who first mentioned Tuesday that Eric Hosmer was close to signing with the Cubs. And then Jesse Rogers on Wednesday broke the news that Hosmer and the Cubs had breached a contract agreement. So... The details are one year at the league minimum of $720,000. That's all the Cubs are on the hook for, okay? Um, for people, you know, when I first heard it, Dustin, I kind of, I, I said on Twitter, you know, it's kind of like... I loved, I loved your tweet, by the way. Tell everybody what it was. I won't spoil it, but I will say if you if you were listening to Molly and Haw, and it was either on Wednesday or today, you heard me reference my uh, Fly the W670 partner, uh, Crawley's tweet, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I just said it's like my mom trying to tell me that these vegetables taste good. Like, don't tell me that. It's that's 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 not accurate, man. That's they don't taste good, and Eric Cosmer's not that great. Um, you know, clearly he was a good player at one time. He was a key member of the KC Royals team that appeared in the World Series in '14, winning it in 2015. And then after the 2017 season, Hosmer signed a massive eight-year, $144 million deal with San Diego. Obviously, he never lived up to that contract. Last year, he was traded to Boston after the Padres completed the Juan Soto trade. Remember, he was supposed to go to the Nationals, and he refused that. And that ended up, <laughs> ended up going to, to, the, to the Red Sox. He played for the Red Sox, and they released him. And so... Last season, he slashed 258, 334, 382. Now, when you look at that, you don't you say 268, not bad. 334 on base, eh. but the slug 382, that's awful. That's eight, terrible. Eight that's home, terrible. Eight home runs. And for those of you that would get annoyed about um, Jason Hayward, he, Jason Hayward had a ground ball rate of right around 47%. And, and Hayward, had, you know, and, and uh, Hosmer had one at about 56%. So he hits the ball on the ground a lot. 
Now there may be a little bit of a benefit. He's a lefty and there's no shift anymore, so that may help him. But it did, doesn't really help in the power department. So this move right now is really similar to the Cody Bellinger move in a lot of ways. What is it? It's a bridge signing, right? You're hoping that both players can bounce back to, to uh, revert to an earlier form, right? You're hoping that both are good defense defenders that have struggled offensively. The difference is Bellinger is still really young with a lot of upside, whereas Hosmer's at the tail end of the, his career. So, you know, the question that a lot of Cub fans have been asking is, what does this mean for Matt Mervis? Okay. Both are left-handed power hitting first baseman. And so I think that really the chances are that Mervis will start the season in Iowa. Um, Matt Mervis played college ball at Duke, but he's only played two seasons in the minors, right? Um, one of them was bad. And then last season was really, really good. And so, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. It's not like, you know, Matt Mervis was Chris Bryant that year that they did the service time manipulation when it was, when if you went to Mesa that year in, in 2015, 2015, it was absolutely clear that Chris Bryant was one of the best players on the field. No doubt about it. None. None. Okay, I think it was Mike Alt got that third base spot. <laughs> but, uh, Mike Alt. Yeah. For <laughs> nice grab. Nice grab from your pocket. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it, I don't think that the case is as clear as, you know, Chris Bryant was a blue chip prospect. You know, he was clearly one of the best players drafted. All the, you know, uh, rookie, uh, minor league player of the year, all this stuff, college player of the year before that. There is no doubt that Chris Bryant was 100% major league ready. You can't say with the Matt, the same with Matt Mervis, as excited as everybody is. So, I mean, is the move of signing Eric Hosmer going to excite me? No. Do I 100% understand it? Yeah. Like I said, you know, let's let's kind of, you know, pump the brakes at, at, with the Matt Mervis Express. It's exciting. And look, he's going to have a chance coming out of spring training, but he's going to have to really prove it. You know what I mean? Right, so a couple things here. We're gonna we're gonna get into a little bit of an argument, a little disagreement, and you can clear it up because you you are definitely more tapped into this than I am. But let, let's start with I'm gonna start with a couple of the <clears throat> why I don't hate the deal. Okay, seven hundred and twenty thousand. That's all the Cubs are on the hook for. Which you know to most of us that's a ton of money, but in baseball terms that's like two dollars and fifty cents. The Padres are paying the big portion of his salary. So that's the first biggest difference between Hosmer and Cody Bellinger. It's about $16 million is about the difference between the two of them. Um, I believe Bellinger's ceiling is much higher. Um, Hopefully Hosmer is a guy that stays healthy. And I'll also give you the check mark on he's a left-handed hitting first baseman. And with the shift, maybe that will be beneficial to him. But maybe you misspoke, and I misspeak all the time. But you said they are both left-handed, power-hitting first basemen. I, I don't think that's accurate anymore. I, I think his power is gone. I, I, I don't know if he got a haircut. I, I don't think the power is there. And you mentioned in the slugging, and he only had eight home runs. But maybe a change of pace, right? But here's where I'm confused. Matt Mervis is what? A lefty, right? Cody Bellinger is what? A lefty. Eric Hosmer is a lefty. I thought I thought they were looking for a reasonably priced right-handed hitting first baseman so that they could get Matt Mervis up here. Because, listen, Cody Bellinger is going to play 130 games in center field if everything goes right, correct? Right. So I, I just that's the part I don't understand. 
What is wrong with Trey Mancini? Why are people not into Trey Mancini? Now, the latest rumor was that he was going to go to the Nationals in between the last couple podcasts that we did. And now all of a sudden, they're not interested. They have pivoted. The Nationals have pivoted away from Trey Mancini. So I just don't understand, other than the 720000 because Trey Mancini's not going to play for 720000 what's wrong with Trey Mancini? That's a really good question. Uh, you and I are both high on him. He had a really good career in Baltimore. He was beloved there, and then he struggled when he came over to Houston, right? But you're talking about a, a small sample size. But a right-handed actually still has some power, will put the ball in the air, Notre Dame guy, family still in the area, would love to play at Wrigley Field. I, I'm just checking boxes here, Crowley. I'm checking boxes. I'm checking boxes. I, I just don't get it. There, there must be, is there a medical, I, you know, what is it? The only thing I can think of is that he's looking for a longer-term deal, and we talked how the Cubs didn't want to block that path, which right. is why we've talked before about you know Jose Abreu at the time being one of the clear best candidates that we both liked, um, and so you know it, it's that would be my guess with Mancini is he's looking for a four or five six you know four or five year deal. Let's put it there, and I, I just don't think the Cubs were very interested in that, and, I, and maybe other teams are not as well. Right. Well, maybe, just maybe, if we're playing the maybe game, maybe nobody wants to give him four-plus years, and so maybe he will uh, fall back to the Cubs, and then they would have that right-handed. But, Crowley, I mean, they still need a right-handed bat to play first base unless they're going to play Patrick Wisdom some at, at first base, unless that's the plan. Like, he's your... he Again, I don't know how Hosmer does. I didn't look into it. Maybe you know off the top of your head or you looked into it. I mean, is Hosmer... Is Hosmer okay against the the right-handed pit? You know what I mean. Is he okay with the splits? Is he is he all right? Is that not a lie? They were specifically said Mervis isn't going to hit against that style pitcher, right? That that was the deal. Right, and and so you know, honestly, Hosmer hasn't hit much against anybody lately. But <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I, I honestly just think it really is going to be that a, a platoon of wisdom and um, Hosmer at first. That you know, wisdom showed that he can play. Uh, first base. He has, he's really good athletically, defensively, Patrick Wisdom is, and he still has pop. Now he strikes out a little bit too much, but at the same time with this team and then looking for places where Morrell can play third base, I, 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 that's what I see happening. I don't see them picking up Trey Mancini. I see that I, I think that they're pretty much done other than grabbing a few relievers, um, you know, that they can probably get. But, you know, the one thing that the Cubs like to do is leave themselves a little bit of space in case something does come up during the year. You've seen that happen in the past. Uh, Nick Castellanos is a good example. Cole Hamels is a good example. So you don't. Right now, the Cubs are about 20 million away from that first budget tax, right? Uh, and so, if all of a sudden, let's say some player pops open, right, and all of a sudden you got to add them to your roster, you don't want to go over the luxury tax. You leave yourself a little bit of wiggle room, which is what I think they're doing at this point right now. Right. Okay. I just I, I'm going to go back and like your tweet, Crowley. I, I retweeted it, I believe. I'll go back and like it and love it. Um, it, it just and I like vegetables, so you didn't have to twist my arm to eat vegetables. Really, there's really only one vegetable I don't like, and that's peas. Um, I like them. It doesn't matter. Um, Never had a salad in my life, Dustin. Oh my gosh! I almost I almost eat a salad on a daily basis. I I go out to eat and I order salads. My diet is essentially baseball and bar food. <laughs> yeah, well, 
What are you gonna do? Neither one, neither one of us are gonna be uh, underwear models anytime soon. But we, we digress. All right, so that's what's going on now at first base. But the Cubs also yesterday introduced another Gold Glover, Tucker Barnhart. Right, with Tucker Barnhart, he's gonna be the backup for Gomes. He had an introductory press conference. Um, it was live on Marquee, but it wasn't in person. It was over Zoom. Signed a two-year, $6.5 million deal to back up Jan Gomes. He talked in his press conference about how trust with the pitchers is extremely important. He says they have to trust us. I think that's where it starts. Kind of gave some examples of, look, you know, just put the pitch where you want it and trust that your catcher's going to make sure it doesn't get behind them. Gave a few examples. But the Cubs um, all offseason have emphasized defense and pitching. And Bardhart, you know, kind of liked that. And he added, it's not like the coolest, most highlight reel thing to see every day, but pitching and defense wins games. It does. I don't think enough people put an emphasis on run prevention and pitching and defense. So for me, hearing how highly they value that was a big key of making my antenna go up as a place that I wanted to play. So with the addition of Tucker Barnhart, the Cubs have a combined eight gold gloves, right? You had Barnhart with two. The last one is about 2020 was the last time he won one. Uh, Dansby Swanson won one this last season. Cody, Cody Bellinger's won one. Hosmer, like I said, he's won. He's gotten four, but the last one was around 2017. Um, you know, but Ian Happ just won one, and Nico was nominated for one at second, but he's never won one. He's so going to this year, Crowley. He's going to win one this year. You would hope so, but, but you know, <clears throat> strong defense, yes. Uh, pitching, absolutely, and a lot of depth in the pitching like we've talked about. But the question is, is where the heck are they going to get offense from? I've seen people kind of putting up different um, lineups and constructions because, like I said, I think position player-wise, they're done. You know, there may be like, you know, a guy like a Master Buani or something like that that you just don't even remember is on the roster. Um, but, but they're, 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 you know, in general, they're done. So when you go down and you go down the list and you take a look at it, where do you – plan to get those runs where are you going to get the big crooked numbers you know what a pitcher's best friend other than a double play ball is is the three-run homer so that's that's kind of where i just look at this right now and i struggle um one more thing about hosmer dustin and and, and i saw this is is that my guy brett or maybe it was cerami from bleacher nation but one of them remembered you know tweets about hosmer being a bad clubhouse guy which was shocking because the cubs have really put an emphasis on high-quality, high-character guys, whether it's Dan B. Swanson, uh, whether it's Jamison Tyone, uh, you know, any one of these guys are really, really thought of as good clubhouse leadership guys. And so Marcus Stroman actually replied to that tweet, and he said about <laughs> Eric Hosmer, this is what Marcus said, he's an unbelievable human being. Articles written by biased media members incorporating only their own perspective should never be seen as credible. It's how the industry operates and feeds their gullible fan base. No facts, just opinion from those lame media members. So, um... <laughs> That's not all he tweeted, Crowley. I think I shared a tweet that he sent out a little before we recorded this podcast, our bloody Marcus Stroman. Yeah, he, you know, he clearly is not a big fan of the media or, you know, you know, in Twitter. But I, w I would say that um, Marcus did play with Eric Hosmer in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA. Uh, so they have played together before, and Marcus speaks very highly of Eric. They have a really good relationship. Um, so just kind of something to keep in mind. It, it, it's, 
like I said, I, I like the character. Uh, this is very much like Cleveland, the, the Guardians, except the Guardians have Jose Ramirez. You know what I mean? It, it, it's that idea of don't let Jose Ramirez beat you. Don't let that guy be the one. You know, if there's if there's well, Dansby, Dansby, Swan, a combination like they they have to find that guy. But you know, Crowley, it's funny you just mentioned the Cleveland Guardians. I mean, you called in to the Mully and Haw show when I said these signings scream Carter Hawkins. Yep. And where did Carter Hawkins come from? Cleveland. From Cleveland. This screams Cleveland West to me. This screams Central League Baseball to me. That's what this screams. Screams, maybe you win one game in the postseason. Screams, you can't win a series in the postseason. Screams, Carter Hawkins. Right, and, and, and Carter Hawkins <clears throat> never, you know, he was working for a team that doesn't like to spend money in in the Guardians, so, you know, you would have hoped that, that they would have, you know, like I said, with all the money coming off the books at the end of the season, with Jason Hayward's contract finally done, Hendricks' contract done. Well, they'll argue with you that that's all not till next year now. Right, it is until <clears throat> next year, but but you're you're basically going to go over the tax for only one season. Right, if you're willing to go over it, right. Yep. Right, you're well, only, it's only going to be a one-season deal. But I, yeah, I think yeah, I agree with you though. At this point, there, there's really nothing else to buy. No, and, and if you take a look at what's left, it really is. And definitely not if it's uh, what's the what's the catchphrase of the of the off season? Intelligent, intelligent spending. spending. Yeah, are guys are, are guys at obvious shirts? Are they making a shirt? Intelligent <laughs> spending. If they I do, know. I told Mully and Haw I was going to get one for each of them because they seem really on board with the intelligent spending. They they love they love Eric Hosmer as opposed to Trey Mancini. They loved it. You know, again with, with Trey, Trey Mancini is just someone you look at that potentially has more upside than Hosmer and, and you know more potential to hit offensively. I just don't think that that's in Hosmer's game anymore. So. You know, I just don't want to put the pressure on Matt Mervis. It's just absolutely tremendous. I don't want to screw up his development. I just was hoping for a better bridge, and I don't know if we're going to get it. So, you know, in the meantime, we'll take a look and see what he can do as far as, you know, hopefully have a good spring training, hopefully start out. You know, for me, the thing that I think about in, in the, in the, is, is the difficulty in playing at Wrigley in April and May. And it's every free agent that's ever come in here, especially a hitter. I don't know if you remember years ago, Chris Bryant was doing these Red Bull commercials. And in the commercial, he's dressed up as like a pizza delivery guy. And he's going to uh, a fantasy baseball draft. And he's delivering the, you know, these pizzas and Red Bull to this fantasy baseball draft. And nobody's drafting Chris Bryant. And Chris Bryant is a pizza guy in disguise. Mm. He's talking about how April and May is hard to hit in Wrigley. So you think about this, Dustin. You think about your young player like Matt Mervis, and you know what a home run is off your bat. But how many times in April and May at Wrigley Field do you see balls that you know any other time are going to be home runs land safely in the glove of an outfielder? Just way too often, man. It, it, it happens. And so sometimes guys try to overcompensate, swinging harder. They get thrown off. It's, it's really, really difficult. So it really has to be a, a very special kind of player to excel offensively starting off at Wrigley, especially in, especially in April and May. So if you're telling me like, okay, uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, Mervis, you know, do a month, you know, the month of April in Iowa, which again, it's not like it's super warm, uh, but it, it's not like the pressure of, of, of having to perform. When I talked to Brennan Davis, when we did the interview with Brennan Davis on the last podcast, 
you know, I talked to him a little bit about the 2020. He was one of the taxi squad players in South Bend. And he basically had to face really, really good pitchers that were way above his level at the time. Edward Alzali, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, right? Guys that were better than what he had faced previously in the past. And what he told me is that when it was that, and there weren't really games, you didn't have to worry about your average, looking at an average and seeing that on a scoreboard or looking at the home run total on the scoreboard and seeing that and people talking about it, right? And so if he plays in Chicago, Matt Mervis, to start off the season, you know he's going to look at that scoreboard and, and, and if he starts off bad and he sees like a 128 or 201 or something, it's just going to kind of mess with his head. Or if he can't hit a home run and everybody's waiting for the Remember Chris Bryant didn't hit his first home run for a while. I think he hit it in Milwaukee, but he didn't hit it for a while. So I am absolutely fine waiting a month, month and six weeks, seeing what Matt Mervis does seeing what the Cubs are doing at the time. And, and, if, and, and if things are looking good and, this, and the situation is right, then call Matt Mervis up and see what he can do.